And I would say particularly um, that diversity makes business sense. And so the most profitable and agile businesses should be embracing diversity and inclusion. And I think a lot of businesses have done that. Um, but these ideas really haven't had the same impact on the legal world as yet. Hello everyone and welcome to the Student Lawyer podcast series. Whether you're at school, sixth form, university, thinking about a career in law or exploring law careers, you're in the right place. We are the one-stop shop for student lawyers. If you'd like to join the Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. This podcast is brought to you by Feed Ignite. Welcome to the Student Lawyer Podcast Series. My name's Camilla and I'm an LPC student and future training solicitor and I will be your host for today. In today's episode, I'm joined by Coral Hill, founder and editor of Legal Women, a brand new magazine for all women working in the law in the UK. In this episode, we're going to be finding out more about Legal Women in preparation for the very, very exciting launch. So welcome to the show, Coral. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Great. Um, So, yeah, you're launching a new magazine, Legal Women. Can you tell us a bit more about this? What's the fundamental concept behind the magazine? Sure. I mean, the mission of the magazine is really to inform people of challenges and inspire everyone to be innovative and create different working environments, which would suit all of us. So although the name is Legal Women, it will and it will deal with obstacles to gender parity, it's not only intended for women as readers. The lack of diversity in the law has a direct effect on business and efficacy. So it's something that the whole of society should be concerned about and certainly all working legal legal working environments. So I'm very much hoping that they will take this on board. And the intention is that the magazine will explore challenges in employment and career progression for all women working in the law, regardless of the type of qualification or indeed if they are qualified. As we all know, there are lots and lots of paralegals as well, and they also have similar challenges. And really the magazine, I, I, I hope, will be a national voice to influence legislation and cultural assumptions and this will build on the activity of lots of excellent groups which we already have they already exist throughout the UK Um, but the difference is that this will be a national voice so all the groups that I know about and um, that people help me research it are on the communities page of the website there may be more and in which case do contact us and let us know about your group Uh, And the aim of the magazine is to work actively with those groups on ideas relevant to their areas, either geographically or in terms of the area of law. Well, that sounds fantastic. Um, I really like the fact that it's, uh, you know, so far reaching, not just in terms of geography, but also the different groups that you're you're looking at. Um, And it sounds like, well, you know, there hasn't really been a national magazine for women in the law for years. So, why have you decided to launch this now and, and what's the importance of it being hard copy as well as digital? Yeah, some years ago, I mean, I think well over a decade ago, there was a, a national magazine for England and Wales, but there's certainly not been one, to my knowledge, for all four nations of the UK. And I think this is a, a really critical change. And of course, we're in a very 
unusual situation at the moment where people are acutely aware that we have um, different jurisdictions within the UK and the four nations because of devolution and the different rules that are being handed out over COVID and so on. And for me, the idea really started initially when um, I was approaching the Law Society of England and Wales uh, about the portraits in the public rooms in Chancery Lane. And I thought it would be a very straightforward matter of just saying, oh, now we've um, passed the centenary of women qualifying as lawyers. What will we do with the decor? Because I know lots of museums and Westminster and so on are updating and trying to make sure their public rooms are inclusive. And I was genuinely surprised that it wasn't seen as a priority. And uh, I think there's a sense that women have got equality now. That's how some people perceive it. Uh, We need to move on and deal with other protected characteristics. Now, while that's obviously important as well, I think it's vital that the challenges women have are still recognised. And a lot of that is around not feeling um, included, a sense that you're not belonging. Um, And if you go into Chancery Lane, there are fantastic paintings of presidents from previous centuries. But the tradition was that these would be commissioned by the president and then donated to the society. So in modern times, as you can imagine, very few presidents, and they'd probably be mocked if they did this, would consider having a painted portrait and then presenting it. So there are less and less of the presidents um, shown in the law society. And the difficulty is that that coincides with the years when we've had the very few female presidents we've had to date. And it's so important that we see images of women and other lawyers from less well-represented groups groups because it gives that sense of inclusion and belonging Uh, and if the law society doesn't do do that it gives a false image of it being behind the times which I don't really think it is. So the other bit you asked me was about digital and hard copy. Um, So the reason I I was quite adamant to have a hard copy. It's to ensure that ideas are disseminated outside a group of people who basically agree with me. And digital content is great, but you're unlikely to have anyone look at it if they think it's got nothing to do with them. And the advantage of hard copy is that it's better at reaching people outside our echo chambers. And we're all aware that that this goes on a lot digitally and particularly in social media. So the idea is that this could be in a reception or whatever, and someone might just pick it up and read something and have an introduction to something they hadn't thought about in the past. So that's the hope. No, that sounds like a really good idea. And and I think that's definitely true, isn't it? sometimes with digital as convenient as it is sometimes you do have to go actually looking for the um, magazine whereas like you said if it's just um, in like a waiting room etc then it could potentially reach people that weren't necessarily looking for it so I think that's really smart Thank you. The website for Legal Women says that it aims to influence legislation and cultural assumptions. So what are your priorities in relation to these? Well, in terms of legislation, childcare payments is certainly on my agenda. It's always been unfair that childcare costs come out of taxed income, whereas for 
any other necessity for work, a car or whatever, it's tax deductible. So that's certainly uh, an isolated example of legislation, um, which I would like to see um, tackled and uh, um, campaign on that. Another much more complex example is domestic abuse, which involves changes in legislation, but also cultural change. And in fact, this is an element of the magazine, which most certainly affects men as they do suffer from domestic abuse, smaller numbers than women, but it's just as devastating and just as important for for the whole of society, men and women. So those are a couple of like quite precise items, but there are also some very wide issues. Uh, And I would say particularly um, that diversity makes business sense. And so the most profitable and agile businesses should be embracing diversity and inclusion. And I think a lot of businesses have done that. Um, But these ideas really haven't had the same impact on the legal world as yet. So much of the magazine will effectively be about how to change our working environments in in the legal arena to suit the modern world, which will benefit everyone. There are many men who don't want the traditional constraints either, particularly if they have interests or commitments outside work. So there again, I think it's um, facing the challenges for legal women, but um, it will certainly be of benefit to many men. Okay. And and do you think it's really such a priority to examine diversity at the moment whilst we're all struggling to respond um, during a pandemic? Yeah, I think this is a, a really important question because it's it's clear the pandemic is having an enormous impact on women's lives. Um, but I think that makes it more important to do it now. It's not just a question of we're in a crisis at the moment, so let's put diversity to one side. If we did that, we will we will impact and create more problems. I think that right now it's essential to focus on it and ensure that stats are collected. Um, we know that women are less likely than men to be acutely ill from the virus but the majority of health staff for example are supporting patients are women and for those trying to work from home without the usual childcare support lives become incredibly complex and that's all due to the extra burden that tends to be on women uh, for childcare and as a result some have chosen to abandon their careers at least in the short term so that could be a disaster for um, the whole, all the changes that have happened for women, but it could also be a disaster for our economy. Women working is a substantial part of our economy. And if that's ignored, then it will damage the recovery of the UK as a whole, as well as the advances that women have made over the last century. Yeah, I completely agree. And I, I think that as so many changes are taking place at the moment with um, you know, how we're having to adapt it's it's kind of a, the best time really to do it so that the social norms and all these norms can be sort of be turned on their head and and changed into something that actually works better for women if possible um, absolutely I agree that that whole sense of build back better and let's change it, our yeah. world yeah that's yeah I it. agree so you're launching the magazine this month which I'm really excited for um can you reveal what we what we can expect in the first edition Sure. Um, well, as I've mentioned, there's a, the domestic abuse has been a significant issue uh, and it's been more so this year because of the pandemic and people actually not able to leave their homes. And yeah. also it's got an, there's an interesting angle on what the employer's responsibility is because, of course, people are working from home 
and they do have a duty to make sure they have a safe environment. So that's one of the issues we'll be looking at. Um, and Sherry Blair, who um, I would say is one of our premier legal women in the UK, is also a patron of refuge. And um, she discusses this in the magazine, along with the new domestic abuse commissioner who was appointed this summer and the victims commissioner. So there's there's quite a, a feature on domestic abuse and what moves there need to be. And there's also um, discussion of the bill that's currently going through Parliament. For the international pages, we've covered a project on the creation of gender-sensitive courts in Pakistan. So I've picked something that's connected to the main feature that we're covering in the UK. Um, and I hope that it will show, I mean, Pakistan is one of the most dangerous countries in the world to be a woman. Uh, so I hope that actually there are things we can learn from there and see how they've changed their cultural norms and so on. So it's, it's it's a very um, encouraging story um, uh, written by somebody who was very involved in the project and they got um, various awards for it. And we also, of course, are looking at the pandemic. Um, we've had a lot of blogs on this, but we have featured a particular law firm and a barrister's chambers reviewing how they kept going in the pandemic, what, what was required and so on, and how the um, clients were kept happy and um, everybody was able to work. And then there's always going to be some regular items, which will be in every magazine. So careers Q&As, which are based on questions sent in. So if anybody has a career question are very welcome to send it to me and I will get various people to reply to it. Um, there'll also uh, be any new diversity and inclusion ideas discussed and recommendations for readers. So for example this month uh, as it's October we have some recommendations about Black History Month. Yeah that really sounds like a jam-packed edition full of really important stories. What I'll do for the listeners is leave a link in the description box for this episode with all the details of how you can check out Legal Women and um, all the details for your website as well. Fantastic. So the international issues that you can report on are endless. And I know that you've mentioned a couple already that you're already going to feature in your first edition. So going forward, how will you decide what will be included? Well, I think the focus here will be learning from other jurisdictions. So if we're aware of a particularly inspiring project or a, an innovative approach, then it would be appropriate to cover it. And particularly if there's some parallels where we could use the, a similar approach in the UK. I envisage there will also be profiles of notable legal women from around the world. Um, but there's also a lot of um, UK-based work which has an international nature. So certainly some of the um, firms are involved in that so that would be interesting to focus on and I'm also a part of the um, National Law Society for England Wales International Women in Law Group so I think we'll be able to discuss their priorities and what's going on in that arena as well. Brilliant and um, who is involved in the magazine uh, both as supporters and, and as writers? Well, I'm delighted that we have fantastic ambassadors um, on our editorial board. We have people from around the UK and the editorial board's all on the website. But um, there's Christina Blacklaws, who's past president for England and Wales. Um, Wales is separately represented by a very senior criminal advocate. And I wanted that to be the case so that we would have a very rural, um, she's from um, 
uh, Cardiganshire, so very rural area um, represented. And of course, with devolution, it was significant. Um, there's also from Northern Ireland, Karen O'Leary, who's a very well-known lawyer based there, but also qualified uh, rather intimidatingly, both in the Republic of Ireland and in England and Wales. So wow. very much a cross-jurisdictional lawyer. Um, and in Scotland, we again have the past president, Alison Attack, who's um, helping. And finally, because this is a magazine that I wanted to spread across not just one branch of the profession, um, but we've got Melissa, Millicent Grant, who's an honorary QC, and she um, came through the legal executive route and was a past president of CELEX. So she's also one of our ambassadors. And I, 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 I'm, I know that there, I'm in discussions with various barristers as well who are, I want to be included, um, but perhaps one of the the um, most significant uh, ambassadors, I would say, is um, Sally Penny, who very recently was in the Queen's Birthday Honours for her work in diversity in the workplace. She's based in Manchester and she runs a group called Women in the Law UK. Wow. And she is writing in our very first um, edition. Um, but all the writers are people from different working environments and from around the UK. Brilliant. That sounds like such a, um, a great uh, group of people that you, you've got to, together to work on this. It's seriously impressive. Um, so what are your plans for the future of Legal Women? Well, um, it, it's very exciting to be starting it off. The magazine's quarterly, um, and I already have quite clear views of the focus for the next few. Uh, but one of the key ways of developing um, familiarity for the magazine in the legal arena will be by the use of blogs. And frequently people say there isn't the information in an accessible way or a sufficiently personal way for them to relate to it. So I'm collating blogs on different topics which will be a resource and we'll publish those throughout the year so as and when they come in. Um, recently we've collected blogs on people's experience of the pandemic so far uh, and I think that those will be quite significant historically as well uh, as of use right now. Um, but the, the next uh, couple of series of blogs are on career planning uh, and then after that we've got people writing um, on setting up your own practice. So if anybody's interested in writing for the magazine, either as a blog or have any other ideas, they're extremely welcome to get in touch with me. Um, I know you said you'll put the website up, so it's got the, my details there and my email, um, but I'd love to hear from them and I'm very interested in people's feedback. So difficult to say exactly how the magazine will develop, but certainly I hope it will be uh, the needed national voice which has influence. Excellent. It's it, I can't wait for it to um, to be released. Do you ha do you have an exact date for this month? Uh, next week, we're, we're we're intending to release it. Yes. Hopefully, by the time this episode has released, um, Legal Women will either be out or be out during the same week. So I will leave the details to Legal Women in the description box for this podcast. So do go and check it out. And thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. And thank you very much Cole for being here and telling us more about legal women bye everyone bye to hear more of the student lawyers podcast hit the subscribe button and leave us a star rating and review
If you would like to join The Student Lawyer as a writer, please email hello at thestudentlawyer.com. We'd like to thank Felix Knight for producing this podcast today.